Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Passion for the Pastime. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, and being healthy out there. On this episode of the podcast, we'll be heading to the streets of the Bronx. The streets of the Bronx. I, I can't I can't sing, but uh, shout out Bronx Tale. One of my favorite movies, actually, by the way. Robert De Niro. Remember, remember see, see, see you around, Sonny. Good movie. Good movie. But we're, we're going to head over on to the Bronx. Talk Bronx Bombers. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to be speaking with beat writer for the Pinstripes, Christy Ackert, for the New York Daily News. Going to get her take on what the Yankees are going to be doing in the next couple of days. In the next 10 days. What, what is it? 10 days? A little less than two weeks. It's, uh, it's an interesting time to be a Yankees fan. Speaking of Yankees fans, spe- speaking of New York fans, I, I know that they were pretty bad. Uh, you know, I haven't been to a sporting event in the state of New York or, for football terms, in the state of New Jersey. I, I haven't been to a New York home game in any pro capacity. I, I in any capacity. I haven't been in any uh sporting event. That's actually something that I need to need to do to cross off the list. Let's go to New York. Been outside of City Field. Seen it. Look nice. I haven't been to uh haven't been to a Mets game. I haven't been to uh, a Yankees game. I've went by <laughs> I went by Yankee Stadium on the train. But uh that's 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 about it. I've been outside the garden, haven't been in it. But New York fans, man. You guys are something else. <laughs> guys are something else. Especially if you reside in the state of New York, I I I think. You get the real experience. The fan experience when you're when you're at a home game for these for these New York teams. Because I don't I this has to be a, a record, right? I mean two f- lifelong bans, lifetime bans issued to New York fans in about a month? <laughs> is is it a month? Maybe over over a, a little bit over a month, within two months at least. Uh what is going on? <laughs> they had the the New York Knicks fan get a lifetime ban for uh, allegedly spitting on Trey Young. I don't know about you, but uh, somebody spit on me. It's not not gonna end well. I I uh, I don't take lightly that. I don't think anyone would. It's very demeaning. And then, fast forward to the New York Yankees game over the weekend with a fan throwing a ball at Alex Verdugo. 
he gets a lifetime ban. So you got two fans. Hopefully it's not the same guy. Like, do they just ban him from from the league? Like, that Knicks fan can't go to any more Knicks games, but, I mean, well, can can he still go to Nets game? Like, I don't, I don't know. How does that work? How does that whole dynamic, do they take your picture and it's posted, you know, at every entrance of every NBA stadium? Like, how does that, I don't, I don't understand how, how they implement it. Got a lifetime ban. But could it have possibly been the same person? <laughs> That's just on a spree. And then just even more weird things going on at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, like a, a light flashing. What is going on? The the Yankees fans are just, are just are just losing it. They're losing it right now because they don't know what's gonna happen at the trade deadline. No one knows. I don't even think the Yankees know what's going to happen. What are they gonna do? What are the plans moving forward? Uh should they be buyers? Should they be sellers? I've been reading up a lot. It's very weird because they find themselves right now at the moment they won their first series but which congratulations Yankees congratulations you won your first series against Boston it only took until <laughs> until the middle of July which by the way got swept the other times so yikes but so coming off of that series win, which by the way it was a shortened series because of uh, of COVID, COVID has come back into our lives. It's always been there, but I'm just saying it's at the forefront of the Yankees' problems. They have six players that have tested positive: Urshela being one of them, Jonathan Loisica being one of them, Aaron Judge. The big name on that list. So it's uh, it's pretty difficult right now for the Yankees. On top of all their injuries that they have. They're down with Luis Severino, who hasn't played at all. They're down with uh, Corey Kluber. They're down M- Miguel Andujar, who I believe should be coming back this week. But still, plenty of injuries to go around. Clint Frazier, also one of those guys. Aaron Hicks, done for the year. Uh, Tommy LaCastro, just done for the year. So, the Yankees are at the bottom of the barrel right now as far as bodies that they have to fill out a roster. So, when you look at that and you look at the circumstances ahead, they have the Phillies, they have the Red Sox, then they have the Rays going into the deadline. If you are a New York Yankee fan, and I know Yankees fans are a different type of breed, But if you are a New York Yankees fan listening to this podcast, do you want the Yankees to buy or sell at the deadline? Because you find yourself three and a half games back of the wild card, all right? Seven games from the division lead. It's not impossible, but at this time of the season, seven games is a lot. You need a lot to go wrong with that team that is ahead of you. 
And it's not like the Yankees are just in second place. They're in fourth in the AL East. They are behind the Red Sox, who are in first, the Rays, who are in second, and the Blue Jays. One game behind the Blue Jays, but still behind the Blue Jays. Now, the division, seven games back. That's a little bit of a stretch. Not impossible, but a little bit of a stretch. But now when you set your bar a little lower, the expectation is, well, we just want to get into the postseason. Then you start looking at that wild card. Three and a half games back. And still, you have teams in front of you. You got the Rays and the A's that hold those number one, number two spots in the wild card discussion. Then you have Toronto, who is two and a half games back. Seattle, Seattle, out of all teams, two and a half games back. And then you have the Yankees tied with the Indians. And then the Angels, if you want to sprinkle them in there, five and a half games back. Angels, by the way, 500. That's uh, exceeding expectations? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, the Angels I have given up on. Although they have one of the most exciting players to watch in Shohei Otani. We're getting off track here. The Yankees, they find themselves in a difficult spot. Do they buy? Do they sell? So it's going to be interesting. But we're talking with Chrissy Ackert, the beat writer for the New York Yankees. She's going to talk about all of this scenario going on. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, New York fans also. We're going to talk about that coming up next. You are listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Walter here. And on this episode, we're going to be speaking with Christy Ackert, beat writer for the New York Yankees uh, for New York Daily News. Christy, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? A little tired. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Uh, you had a busy weekend over there uh, as the Yankees took on the Red Sox. They they won their uh, their first series against Boston. Congratulations! <laughs> they won their first game and they had one bang. So yeah, they got a, they got a series one out of it, I guess. Yeah, um, it was shortened due to the the COVID uh, positives on Thursday. So that game will be made up at a later date, I believe, in August. Um, how is everything going on with the COVID protocols and the, and the players that, uh, tested positive, mainly, uh, Aaron judge being the big player there. It sounds like, um, everybody is asymptomatic or if they do have symptoms, they are of a mild cold, um, which is good news. Um, obviously we don't see them. They're not at the ballpark, so I can't verify that. Um, that's what the team tells us. Sounds like, um, they will get Jonathan Lewisaga back probably, I would assume, this this coming weekend for another series against the Red Sox. He was the first one that tested positive. He was quarantined, I believe, in Houston because that's where he tested positive. Uh, he was scheduled to fly back um, to New York yesterday or today and begin ramping back up. With the rest of them, um, you know, generally, even though there is you know, protocols in place for players to come back if they are vaccinated before the 10 month or the 10 week, uh, huh, 10 day quarantine. Um, 
it doesn't usually work out that way. So the rest of them, I would assume, are going to miss at least most of that next series against the Red Sox. The Yankees can only hope that they're back for uh, the series with the Rays right before the trade deadline. Okay, yeah, because uh, with, with the with the COVID protocols, yeah, you, as you mentioned, it's it's the ten game ten, ten day uh, pretty much a minimum, right? And uh, it all it all uh, fluctuates case by case basis. So there's no really timetable on it. It's just it just happens when it happens. Um, when the players do uh, test positive, what is the the steps? Is it still the uh, the uh, two negatives and then they can return to activities or how does that all go? I'm trying to remind myself uh, because I feel like we haven't had a situation like this in, in quite some time. Um, yes. And it's, yes, it is on a case by case basis and it's based on whether the player is vaccinated, whether the team is at 85%. um, And it is two negatives, I believe 24 hours apart. Um, so, but like, as we saw with labor Torres, you know, he would get a negative and then he'd get a positive and he's vaccinated. And, you know, I think that went on for nine days or nine games or something like that. So it's all very fluid and it's all, you can't really count on anyone coming back at a, at a certain time. Okay. We are speaking with, uh, Christy Ackert, beat writer for the New York Yankees for New York Daily News joining us on the podcast. So uh, the Yankees, they're dealing with with a COVID issue right now. But before that, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, Before we get into everything that happened over the weekend, give us a little bit of an update on uh, Luis Severino. Um, There's also Corey Kluber. But first, let's let's start with uh, Luis Severino. What's the timetable on him returning uh, to the mound? Well, he's through... um two simulated innings off the main mound yesterday before the game. He faced uh, three left-handed hitters. And I know two were Tyler Wade and Hoy Park. I don't know who the third was. Um, He's likely to have one more of those, uh, you know, live BP simulated innings situations. And then they will talk about him going back onto a rehab start. You know, they had initially hoped that he would be back, um, this month, yesterday, Boone said it's a possibility they could have him back in August. My gut tells me he won't be back until the beginning of September. Um, you know, he he was doing well with the Tommy John rehab and then had the groin strain during a rehab start. But, you know, he's looked actually pretty good in terms of that. Really quickly after the injury, he was out on the field doing agility and running stuff. So they're just being very, very cautious with him. And uh, when you look at the rest of the the pitching staff, also, as mentioned, uh, Corey Kluber, uh, what is the timetable on him? Because as you look at the Yankees, just the injuries just keep piling up and have been over, over the, uh, the course of the 2021 season. But Corey Kluber, what's his timetable? Where's he at on the recovery process? Cashman, Brian Cashman had said possibly August, but September to be safe. He has been throwing consistently. Uh, and we don't exactly know what the issue is. It's, it's a strained muscle in his shoulder. Um, but 
there has been no nothing. I mean, he was supposed to be initially shut down, but he's been throwing on flat ground pretty consistently since. He is supposed to get on a mound at some point in the next seven days, I believe, for the first time, um, which will begin his ramp up. Um, I wouldn't expect him before September either. That's, you know, Brian Cashman said September to be safe. Um, and I will go with that because the Yankees have not had a lot of great luck in terms of getting players back. So it sounds like uh, the pitching staff, uh, as far as getting back to healthy, it sounds like it's not going to be a while. So is it safe to say uh, that the Yankees are looking to add uh, rotation arms come deadline? You know, I don't actually think that's their um, biggest need. (laughs) I think, you know, they should get Nestor Cortez back um, from the COVID list here probably in the next week or so. He's been a good spot starter for them. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they do need pitching, but I don't think that's their highest priority. I think they're looking at a center fielder. Um, I think they're looking for left-handed bats. Um, I think they are possibly looking at a shortstop that they could potentially extend. Uh, you know, looking into the future. I don't think Claver Torres is proven to be the shortstop of the future. And and the problem the Yankees have right now, even though they won this series, they won two out of what was supposed to be four games. It really hasn't changed their situation all that much. They're still seven games out. And, you know, they're kind of in that weird limbo of, are we good enough to invest in this team? So, while they won't be sellers, I don't think I know how much of, an, of their, I don't know how big a buyer they're going to be, I guess what I'm saying. Right, and that's the that's the big thing, the, the big situation that the Yankees are in right now because they're in such a weird uh, place. Uh, four, I think they're four games up, right, on, on 500. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, seven games back in the division, three and a half games back in the wild card. So that makes it a little bit uh, of, uh, of a smaller number, a number that you can swallow at this moment in time. Uh, but yeah, one of my questions is going to be, so, so you believe that the Yankees won't be sellers, but they won't be heavy buyers, but should they be uh, one or the other? Mainly, should they be sellers at this time? I don't think they have a lot to sell. I mean, that's, I think that's the weird situation they're kind of in. You know, they don't have a lot of expiring contracts. Um, you know, they possibly could get something for Zach Britton, but he hasn't been that healthy. Um, Chad Green, but if you're looking at, you know, this year as, okay, we have a lot of injuries, do you really want to take down part of your most effective bullpen going into next year? I think that they should be buyers if they can buy what will do them good next year, too. I don't think you rent a player when you're at this point in the standings. I mean, they have three teams they would have to get it by to get into the wild card at this point. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't know that I want to bank a lot of money on that. Um, so, I mean, if you could get a shortstop that you could extend, say a Trevor Story, um, yeah you know spend there but you know being sellers 
you know, they don't have a lot of prospects. They don't have, well, prospects don't sell, but I mean, they don't, Gio Urshela was a name that I heard that would draw some interest, but now he's on the COVID-19 IL and won't probably get off till right before the trade deadline. So I'm not sure how that would work. Luke Voigt is a possibility to be traded, but, you know, he's on the IL with, you know, his second knee issue of the year. They're not in a great position to sell. So is it a safe uh, assumption to say that Aaron Judge will be a Yankee next year? <laughs> yes. I mean, if they had, if they had fallen like a weight, you know, yeah. heading into all-star break, there, there was a potential there for that. Um, I also think him being on the COVID IL right before the right. trade deadline puts him out of reach here too. I know there are executives that are curious about whether he will be on the, the trade block. That seems like a very George Steinbrenner type of move. And we have to remember how Steinbrenner's running this team now, not George. Right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird situation to to be even talking about uh, the Yankees trading pieces away. Um, because that's that's not their mo, right? I mean, they always go for it. They've always been in the mix, and they're still they still find themselves in the mix. So I don't know if I'd want to trade uh, Aaron Judge away um, at this moment in time. But the Yankees, uh, you said they could possibly be buyers. You mentioned a shortstop. You mentioned an outfielder. I've also seen that uh, Joey Gallo has been potentially mentioned uh, as drawing interest from the Yankees. What what is in your uh, your wish list? Um, what what should the Yankees go grab, and who in particular? You know, I'm not I'm not really one that likes to play a lot of junior GMs. Um, <laughs> my day to day job of covering a team is quite enough. Yeah. Um, I I do believe that we have found out that Glaber Torres cannot be the shortstop of the Yankees of the future. Um, it's just not going to work. I mean, if they could get Trevor Story and sign him to an extension, that would be a great move. You know, that, that, would, that would solve a lot of problems for them. Um, but there's also going to be, you know, shortstops short on the free agent market this winter. Um, you know, I think the styling Marte is a good move for them because I'm not sure that Aaron Hicks is going to be a reliable center fielder for them for the rest of the, you know, his, his contract. Um, if they could get a, a pitcher that's under control, sure. Um, you know, I just kind of see this deadline as, as one that I, I don't see it defined well for the Yankees right now. So I guess I would be the overly cautious junior GM and I probably would only make those very few moves. Yeah, and again, like you mentioned earlier, they're they're going to make a move if, or or I would I would assume that they would make a move if it would put them into that next category. And you just don't know what you have uh, moving forward with the Yankees. It's a very weird situation right now uh, that they find themselves in. But uh, it's going to be a really interesting trade deadline. I, I know that the Yankees will be 
uh, on the phone with many teams, whether uh, selling some of their pieces for next year or, or buying some to make a push this year. And I think it's more likely to be uh, that they'll p- make a push for this year. But we'll see what happens uh, with the Yankees, obviously. We're talking with Christy Ackert, uh, beat writer for the New York Yankees for New York Daily News. Now let's talk a little bit about the weekend. You had a lot of activity going on uh, at Yankee Stadium as they took on the Red Sox. What, what was going on with the with the flashing red light? Uh, I believe it was yesterday. What, what was going on with that, first of all? Yeah, that was strange. Um, uh, it was seventh inning. DJ LeMayu was at, at the plate. And after a pitch, Christian Vasquez popped up and said something to Manny Gonzalez, the home plate umpire. And then they both pointed out to center field. Um, I happen to be a umpire nerd, so I was watching it pretty carefully, picked up my binoculars, and there was indeed a red light flashing in the black part of the batter's eye right above Monument Park. Um, I saw it flash twice, and then it stopped. Um, It had to have flashed at least three times because Vasquez had seen it, and I didn't see when he saw it. Uh, Alex Cora said it was no big deal. Uh, I think he would be in a tough spot to make a case about cheating at this point or anything of that case. Um, but it was weird. I mean, I saw it. Uh, I, I know I was one of the few in the press box that saw it. A lot of people, I know ESPN was saying that it was a fan above the batter's eye. They were, they had a video that was completely wrong because I had that on, I had that broadcast on as well. Um, yeah, that's very strange. I've, I've never seen it before. I don't know that I would have looked for it had, you know, he not pointed out there, but um, that was very, very strange. Yeah, so, so you did see it, though, right? Like, you're confirming there was uh, something going oh, on. Yeah, I mean, I saw it twice. I mean, a lot of people were trying to talk me out of that. I was like, <laughs> no, I saw it twice. They're like, no, Chrissy, you're 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 losing your mind. You need a break. You you didn't see anything, but you're 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 standing right. behind it, right? <laughs> I was I was square foot. Um, yeah, I mean, I had my. It's actually a, a monocular. It's just one lens, but I I was zooming out there, and I was shocked to see it. Yeah. Wow, that's a uh, that's. That's crazy. I mean, that that's one of the other things. Uh, if it if it was so, they're saying that it was a fan doing it. It, it, I mean, I believe there is like a club behind those black windows. I, there are black windows, blackened windows. Um, ESPN was saying it was a fan with like a cell phone light. Okay. They're, they're completely lost. So a lot of people yeah. on Twitter and everybody's going, oh, this is no big deal. It's a fan. That's not what they were talking about. Um, I believe there is like so, like a, a club, like a center field club or something for fans behind those glass. That, that black glass. So I don't know if something happened there. It was a pretty big light, though. I mean, it was, you know, it was probably the size of a baseball or a softball. Oh, wow. All right. Well, it wasn't they, anything like there. <laughs> they, they need to calm down on the on the flashing lights in the club uh, during during the game. And, yeah, and right. <laughs> yeah, they, they need to dim it down a little bit. I don't know what's going on over there uh, in, the, in the club, but yeah. uh, that's awesome. Uh, Christy, uh, before I let you go, there's there was also some fanfare involving um, Alex Verdugo where a fan threw a ball. Uh, did you happen to see that incident unfold? unfold no. Which actually happened. <laughs> 
Uh, actually, I didn't see the ball being thrown. I saw the ball on the field, and I saw Virgil go turn around and start yelling in left field. I mean, you could tell immediately something happened because uh, the infielders were looking out there. Um, I saw, I mean, there's no video of him actually throwing or, or being hit by the ball. He said, the, the Red Sox said that he was hit in the neck. I mean, it, it, it is one of the dumbest things in all of baseball. Um, you know, everybody's saying this guy didn't intend to hit Verdugo. It doesn't matter. You know, when you come in, there's a, there's a warning, do not throw things on the field. So once you do that, you violate the rules. But it's one of the dumbest things in baseball, and I hate it in every ballpark that people throw balls back. Right. You get a ball, keep it. Right. You know, it, I mean, if you throw it back on the field, the only thing that's going to happen is the ball boy is going to go get it and give it to people in better seats than you. So just keep the freaking balls and don't throw things on the field. It's just dumb and stupid. You know, there is there is always concern, you know, when fans run on the field, you know, and I don't think there's enough concern about the safety of players because, we've been very lucky and these, one of these situations could be dangerous and throwing things on the field is dangerous. So just people need to stop. Yeah. And, and, uh, I've never really understood the, the throwing the ball back either. I want to say that that's a tradition that started in Wrigley field, right? That's what they always do when a home run ball got hit of the opponent team, they would throw it back. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, when I was learning the game and I'd go to games with, with my uncle and, and I'd see people throwing game, the ball back after a home run at, at uh, AT&T Park here in San Francisco. And I kind of just just shook my head and kind of scratched it. I didn't know what to happen. And then I started contemplating, all right, well, if I get a ball, am I supposed to throw it back? I don't want to throw it back. I want to keep it. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? No, so, <laughs> Yeah. It, that's what I don't. I, I've never understood this. It doesn't show anything. Just keep the ball. Who yeah, cares? Just, just keep it. Who cares? It doesn't take a point away. Like it, it, it doesn't do anything. Uh, just keep the ball. Right. It's, not it's part a memory. Of... Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I, you know, I used to tweet about this all the time about how annoyed it used to make me that people would throw the ball back because it, it was a delay in the game. I know it's right. a minute or two, but it's just stupid but i stopped doing it and the funny it always annoyed me like so a guy in the outfield would throw the ball back the ball boy would go get it and then give it to somebody in the club seat so it's like okay that seems smart <laughs> right as if they need uh even more incentive to go uh, sit in the club so i mean <laughs> it, it is what it is <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, Chrissy Ackert here for New York Daily News. Before I let you get out of here, uh, more on that on that situation. The Yankees and MLB have given a lifetime ban to the fan, uh, apparently, who have th- who threw the ball at Alex Verdugo. How does one go about enforcing such a ban? Because you've heard about it in the NBA, uh, even even in New York with the, with the Knicks fan that allegedly uh, spit on Trey Young. There was also an incident right. in uh, in Philadelphia with banned fans that dropped uh, popcorn on Russell uh, Westbrook. How how do you go about enforcing a fa- a, a ban like this? I don't even know where to begin. You know, actually, we were talking about this last night in the press box because. I mean, there is no clear answer to that. I mean, honestly, I didn't investigate it with the league, but I I mean, I believe the answer I got unofficially from some people is like, well, they can't buy tickets. Their name's on the list and they can't buy tickets. Okay, but what if his girlfriend buys them? Right. 
or he, or he has mean, like a fake ID. <laughs> like you have facial recognition software when fans come in. I mean, this is like this, one of the silliest things I've ever heard. Like, yeah. what if he buys tickets from a scalper? <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah. There, there's no way to track it, right? I mean, that, it, that's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. Right. So I, I think, you know, one of the greatest terms in baseball is eyewash. I think there's a little bit of eyewash going on there. <laughs> All right. Great stuff, Christy. I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. And uh, we'll see what happens with the Yankees going down uh, the, the stretch run. I mean, they do have a big series. Uh, they have the Phillies coming up. So that's a little bit of a of a, of a breath of fresh air but you have the the red Sox and the and the rays leading up to the deadline so we'll see what happens but thank you for coming on i really appreciate it we'll talk to you down the line my pleasure all right and again that was christy ackert beat writer for the new york yankees for new york daily news go ahead and give her a follow on twitter at by christy ackert on twitter to get all your yankees needs because we still don't know. I think at the conclusion of this uh, of this conversation, we still don't know what the Yankees are gonna do. Um, yeah, I don't even I don't even think the Yankees know what they're gonna do. Uh, it's a very interesting situation there in New York. Are they going to buy? Are they going to sell? I think the safe thing is what uh, Christy mentioned was they're they're not going to be uh, heavy sellers nor heavy buyers. That is the expectation. So if they do do anything, they'll just try to make it a, a more competitive team to go down the stretch because, like I mentioned, they're only three and a half games back of the wild card. Yes, they do have plenty of teams in front of them. I get that whole dynamic of it, but they're teams that they do play for the rest of the season as well. I mean, when you look at the Yankees' uh, schedule going down the uh, the the stretch, you got the the Red Sox coming up as as mentioned. They just won their first series after being swept the two previous. They just won their first series, uh, a shortened series, by the way, uh, two games out of the four, but one was postponed to August 17th. So they did win two out of the three that were played. That is called a series win against the Boston Red Sox. Then they have the Red Sox again next weekend at Fenway for four. Then following that, they got the Rays as Chrissy mentioned, leading into the trade deadline. So this is a very telling time for the Yankees. But then when you look beyond that, I mean, they have the Orioles a couple of times. They still have the Red Sox. And uh, they, they have a somewhat favorable schedule when you look at the month of August. They have the Mariners at home. They have the Royals. Uh, White Sox, they, they have on the road. But... It's a little bit of of a of a soft schedule, I would say, uh, going into August. They do have the Twins, who are expected to be sellers at the at the trade deadline, or or at least retool uh, from what we got from Dan Hayes last week. And then uh, when when you look at the month of September, I mean, destiny they they control it. The Yankees control their own destiny. They got the Orioles again for six games in set the month of September and then guess what they play the Blue Jays who are one of those teams one of those three that are in front of them uh in their own division the Blue Jays they have them for seven and by the way they have Boston again at Fenway at the end of the month and close out the year you guessed it with the Tampa Bay Rays so yes 
it is a, a a big gap. I mean, seven games from the division, three and a half in the wild card. When you look at the rest of the wild card teams that are in the mix, you got Tampa Bay and Oakland currently leading. Then you have Toronto, Seattle, and then hey, guess what? It's the Yankees. So they are playing these teams. Big crucial series coming up uh, for the rest of this year. Every series, they just got to get series wins and. Uh, you know, at some point they're going to have to sweep. They're going to have to get get on a on a winning streak. It, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But the wild card is well within distance. So, uh, and I didn't even consider uh, a Trevor Story move going into the deadline. Chrissy brought him up uh, twice. So, is that something that is <laughs> that is going to happen? Uh, I I would hope not. I would hope not. Uh, for my for my sports. Um, fandom, but Yankees fans would love to have a Trevor Story, and uh, no matter no matter what his home road splits are at Coors Field. So, hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. We talked Yankees. I know uh, the Yankees are a very interesting part of this trade deadline, and you know they would be. I wouldn't necessarily say difference makers, but sounds like Aaron Judge isn't going to get moved. Sounds like they're not going to move on from Gary Sanchez. Uh, sounds like they have bullpen arms that are potentially going to be moved. It's not like uh, the 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 significance of say the Ray the Reds uh, possibly selling at the deadline, which they're most likely not going to. But we'll have to see. We'll, we'll try to get a uh, a Reds beat writer here before the deadline comes. It's not like the Cubs with, again, Craig, Craig Kimbrell and Chris Bryant. I mean, those are huge names, but then you throw in a guy like Zach Davies. I mean, it's not um, that big of a game changer, but, you know, when the Yankees are involved at the trade deadline, it seems to be a little bit more active. So we'll see what happens uh, going into the trade deadline, which is next week. Again, it is not on the 31st. It will be on uh, on July 30th. And they're doing that for a reason of uh, they, they don't want players to be pulled uh, mid-game uh, while they have games going on on the 31st. So they said, hey, we're going to we're going to have it closed down. I believe it's at 4 p.m. Eastern and there's no games being played uh, prior to that happening. So July 30th, not 31st, is the trade deadline next Friday. So we're going to have more content coming at you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Chrissy. It's always nice to catch up with her. And we'll get more content coming at you. So make sure to subscribe to Passion for the Pastime. Leave your review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, follow all the all the social media feeds to be kept up to date with all the content coming at you. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I sure did. You guys be safe. Enjoy the rest of this week. We're going to have more coming at you. Check on Wednesday. Check on Friday. And we'll see what we do with the scheduling uh, next week. But I plan to have a lot more content coming out prior to the deadline because we still haven't talked about the Cubs. We still haven't gotten into some teams that could be potential game changers mentioned the Reds, what are they going to do? So we'll see who we get on for the next couple of uh, episodes, but stay tuned. Hope you guys have a good one. Be safe, and I will talk to you next time.